Hi everyone, welcome to Real Conversations where we cover a wide range of topics. Today's episode two and I'm your host T-Mac and my co-host Joe. Hi guys. Today our guest is Mark, who is a veteran gamer. We will discuss with him a gamer's perspective on the positive and ne- negative aspects of the gaming in- industry and culture. He'll give us an inside view on what makes gaming so popular and how big business is cashing in on it. Welcome, Mark. I'm glad to be here. Hope we can get some nice discussions in. Yeah, we will. We will. So give us a, give us a brief summary of your gaming history. So what got you into gaming? Well, let's see. Uh, I, think like, I think it was like 95. I, my dad bought me my first console. It was a Super Nintendo. It came with the, what was it, uh, Super Mario World and uh, Super Mario All-Star cartridge. And I think we had that for like ages and then maybe in like 2000, 2001, got the PlayStation. Then throughout my high school years, just played some games. Usually, you know, the pirated ones because money was a little short. <laughs> but... <laughs> But uh, later on, you know, when I finished high school, I bought myself a PlayStation 2, bought myself some games, started working. Um, then when I got like a full, full-time job, I bought a PlayStation 3. And du- during that time when I was doing full-time work, I had access to money and all that. So that's when I really started getting into video games, buying all sorts of video games, playing them after work, you know, just to relax. And yeah, ever since then, you know, then the PlayStation 4, I saw after the, after a while, I sort of started collecting all, all like a all variety of all the consoles, Dreamcast, I got Xbox from the original to the newest one, uh, Super, uh, the Super Nintendo, I already mentioned the Nintendo 64, uh, Wii, Wii U, Switch, all of that, I don't know, I, I think I'm starting to box myself into my room with all the things that I've collected so far and various games, you know, for each of the consoles I've, you know, collected as well. So, just... nice. so for you, it's, it's a bit of a passion collection as well as just, I suppose, the fun of uh, playing the video games. Of course, you know, uh, of course, the, the video games are always like the fun thing. I just reckon I'm... Um, as I got a little bit more older, I started to appreciate what the effort that went into like making the video games, especially the older ones, you know, the 8-bit and the 16-bit ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I just just grew out of that. And whenever I see a game that seems interesting, I, I tend to go and buy it or look for it on, on eBay or something like that if I can't find it somewhere local. Uh, I was just uh, going to uh, mention this. So, I mean, Mark, you have been playing video games since '95, so that's uh, wow. I mean, that's what 25 years. Oh, well, yeah, or, 25 or longer. years. <laughs> or longer, yeah. Uh, longer. I reckon my. Let's see. I reckon my first exposure to 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 a video game was actually going. I think maybe in '92 to a, f- a friend's house, and uh, she had like a. Uh, old Nintendo, and at that time I didn't I didn't really know much, you know. So I would ask her, right, "Could you get me to the swimming level?" I, I think I was maybe like six years old at the time. 
yeah. and she had the um, Super Mario Brothers cartridge. And I was interested in playing the swimming level because I saw her reach the swimming level. That's the level two of the original Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. I remember that one as well. I used to play that one too. Ah, good times, man. Classic game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so in terms of the gaming culture, what is the gaming culture like? Can you? What's your view of the gaming culture that's out there, the broad gaming culture? At the moment? Yeah. Well, I don't know. There, there's some good things and there's some bad things. I mean, the, the good things, I guess, you know, a, a lot more people are open to it these days than they were back in the old days. Um, and, Why were they... <laughs> Why weren't they open to it? Well, back in the day, you know, it was like if you played games, if you were older, they would like look at you. You were like, why are you still playing with uh, child things? You know, why aren't you getting on with your life and being like an adult or something like that? But as as time developed, you know, it, it's become like part of pop culture, you know, popular culture. And everybody says now that they're playing video games, whereas back in the day, if you said something like that you know they had like a stigma attached to it yeah i know i know what you mean there mark Uh, that actually uh, brings me to one of the questions i was um, going to ask you which you know there seems to be much more to gaming culture than just playing the games obviously so there are news networks review channels etc what's your what are your thoughts on that i mean what, what are your thoughts on the gaming culture in general and how it has changed over time well as with anything that's like makes like a huge explosion in popularity, you're gonna have people gravitate toward it and see if they can like make money off of it. Especially if people like you know they like video games, they're gonna you know follow their passion. So it, with with you know how you got massive amounts of commentators on YouTube and the 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 so-called journalists um, yeah. commenting on video games, uh, it's you know, some of them got into it because they're passionate about video games and they love talking about it and, you know, that's it. Other people, you know, they see that that's popular and they can profit from it. So they jump into it thinking, oh, yeah, this is the hit, the it thing right now. So maybe I can make a few bucks talking about this. Yeah. For some, so there seems thing- to be people... Yeah. So there seem to be people that actually enjoy playing the games, and then there seem to be people that are involved with that because they see it as a, I suppose, business-oriented people that see it as a money-making opportunity. Yeah, exactly right. That's the way. That's the way I, I view it. I mean, in the in the space, you have people who are genuinely passionate about it, and because they're genuinely passionate about it, why not make that their profession? You know. Oh, it makes Some, perfect sense. Because, like, like you know. There, there's also the rise of like esports. I mean, imagine that like earning millions for playing a Fortnite like 15 years ago or 20 years ago. People would have just laughed at you if you told them I could become a millionaire from playing video games. Even though yeah. it does take like a special person who dedicates their time to that to become someone who makes millions from that profession. Yeah. So it's a yeah profession like, like it could be like any other really. Yeah. You know it takes devotion, now, takes time, takes skill. Uh, and uh, Mark, just on average, I mean, how long do your gaming sessions last? So like, let's say, um, I don't know, per week, per day, 
just on average, so we have an idea of um, how, how much time you would basically spend playing video games. Uh, well, well, lately I've been spending quite a bit, actually. You know, I come home from work, I have something to eat, take a shower, you know, sit down, relax for a bit, then jump on maybe for two, three hours. That That's lately. And on the weekend, yeah. maybe more. Um, before, maybe like a I don't know, a couple of months ago, there, there was like maybe one or two months I didn't really play games at all. I don't know. It just varies. Sometimes I get like the itch and I continuously play. Other times, you know, I could jump on maybe for a little bit or maybe not at all for like a month or two. It just really depends if there's a game, you know, that's got me interested at the time or not. Right, yeah. Are there any detrimental impacts of like really long gaming, consistently long gaming sessions? What, uh, and if so, what are what are the impacts, if any? Uh, well, I think the the biggest impact is that you lose all that time gets drained away because sometimes you could be playing like a really interesting game and it's like, oh yeah, I'll play for an hour or two, and then all of a sudden you're gone five hours in, you've lost track of time, you've lost all that time. It, it's it can be on some of the games that like really draw you in, you could lose hours and hours, even though you like might set yourself a goal for, Oh, I'll just play for an hour or something next minute. It's, it's four or five o'clock in the morning. And you're like, where did the time go? Um, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. I mean, with in general, I, I keep telling myself everything in moderation, but sometimes I do go overboard with that. And, with games, it's very easily to go overboard and spend like massive amounts of time playing. Sometimes mm. you have to like remind yourself that you do enjoy it, but you shouldn't make that become everything in your life, you know, because you've got other responsibilities, especially if you work or have family and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree it? with that. I mean, does, is, it, is it just the time that's the issue with the games? Because I can see it, you know, not having the time to do other things or being, um, you know, wanting to play more games. Do you think that maybe relationships can suffer or maybe, you know, um, you'd see your friends less or I don't know, do they play the games with you? Like, how, how does it affect your personal life? Well, yeah, like that. I mean, if it takes like a massive chunk out of your time, um, it will definitely affect like your personal relationships and all that with other people, but you gotta you gotta moderate it yourself. You know, you can't. Ultimately, you're responsible for how much time you spend doing something. But as know? as an adult, you are. But uh, let's say you know a kid six years old gets the new uh, well, PlayStation Four. Right? It's a well, bit harder. Uh, to... uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Sorry to cut you up. You're right. Uh, no, no, with, okay. with children. It really does depend on how the parents moderate how they uh, spend their time on it. In mm. with 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 the vast majority of the modern consoles, you have inbuilt features that you can ha access and set times for like certain profiles. Like let's say you set up a profile for your child, you can set how much time that profile can actually spend on the console at any given mm. time, and. I reckon it's a really good idea to monitor how how often your kids, you know, how much time they spend on the console. Because with the, this day and age where everything is 
a screen and a device that everybody's connected to, especially with children, you really should be monitoring how much time they're on that. And especially if they got access to the internet. Back in my day, you know, consoles weren't connected to the internet, so there wasn't, you know, that access to it. Because with the internet comes certain, like, dangers of being, ac- you know, being exposed to unsavory characters, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Especially for young, especially for young children, I think that's they should be closely monitored when they're on a console. It is definitely the parents' responsibility to, uh, you know, to to monitor the kids. Uh, I think, yeah, maybe something to let the actual parents know of, you know, that feature that you mentioned because I didn't know about that feature. So yeah, it's good to know yeah, those things. That that's the thing, you know, not a lot of parents actually know that uh, the like Sony and X. I don't know about Xbox, but I know Sony has parental uh, locks on their systems. And I think the Switch does as well. I'm not sure about the Xbox, though. Yeah. What makes it so addictive? What is the actual... What is making these uh, people want to play five year, uh, five hours, four hours sort of duration, lose the time? They think it feels like one hour, but it's actually four or five. What makes it so addictive within the game? Do we know? Well, um, it's it's it, it comes it comes down to like the euphoria and then the dopamine that gets released in your yeah. brains. Well, you know, if you want to get like really technical, but um, I think it's because a lot of people, you know, it's the the daily grind like takes it out of you. You know, going to work, having to deal with like all the pressures of of society, and then you. Go, you jump into this like video game, and there you have like total control, you know. Yeah. It might, you know, get frustrating if you're like on a hard level or something, but there's also like a satisfaction at clearing like a hard level. And yeah. so it's a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, the sense of accomplishment. And, you know, you're, it's the escapism of video games, you know. Like video games. Uh, like the relaxation or that thing where you just switch off your mind, you know? And when you switch off your mind, it's like you don't feel anything negative or anything. It's just, you know, positive. You're relaxing. There's no bad thoughts coming into your head. And, you know, that that can become like a very addicting thing, you know? Yeah. That having that, that, that relaxation part of your... where your brain is just... You know, not worried, yeah. not thinking of anything bad, and you you're drawn back to that. You know, when you're stressed or something like that. Ah, oh, I think I'll play yeah. a game. Maybe that'll relax me for a bit or something like that. So it's essentially yeah, like escapism. It's like it's, it's an escapism from the real world, and also combined with dopamine hits by getting to the next level, getting to the next uh, yeah, goal, yeah. whatever within the game, the next achievement. Yeah. And combining yeah. those factors, probably it's it feels great, feels positive. You're getting a positive feeling, and then before you know it, it's you know you started at five p.m. and then it's five five a.m. type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I look at my one as bad, but there's you you uh, you guys probably heard of the cases where people like twenty four hours, forty eight hours, nonstop. It's like yeah. they just have that, you know, they they they've got that. Oh, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. It's like 
they stop caring about everything else. I mean, yeah. there, there is a, there's a real danger of, you know, getting into it way too much. But that's like with anything. With anything, if you go overboard, anything, everything should be in moderation, in my opinion. Everything. Absolutely. Now, now uh, Mark, so, I mean, based on what we're, what we're talking about, we can determine that gaming is addictive. So there's no doubt about that, right? Oh, yeah. oh of course. Of course it's addictive. I mean, this, mm -hmm. some people have, uh, like, more addictive uh, tendencies than others. And um, with the thing that they do now, especially, uh, you know, how they monetize the video games, people with addictive personalities... They can just like latch on to that and wind up spending their real money on that, lo losing yeah. thousands. Wow. It, it can be Have addictive you... and it can be like a good thing for like when you want to relax. But there certainly is that um, danger of going overboard with it. So it seems very easy to go overboard. And I'll ask you this. Have you had a problem with addiction to games? Oh no, 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 no! I, I don't think I think that I've had a issue with it because sometimes if I play a game and I've played it for like too long, after a while I just get sick of it and then I just stop. It yeah, just okay. it just really depends on maybe what's happening in my life. Like um, if I'm overly stressed or something like that, I probably do lean to video games to relieve that stress yeah. but if if everything is fine you know i and i'm in a good mood and everything it's like i will most likely seek out social interaction versus yeah. you know spending time alone and playing video games so yeah, if okay. i'm like in a good mood I'll, I'll call up my mates go hang out with them and do things like that you know yeah go out eat something maybe Go, so, so you go. wouldn't call up your mates and say, hey, let's go play video games. Because when I was younger, I know you'd meet up with your friends and say, hey, let's go play oh, video games. But now it's like the I, other way around. Well, actually, that too, you know, it depends on what type of video game. Because it might be like a social video game, especially if, if it's like a multiplayer video game. I, we have done that. I mean, right. uh, some, some, of, some of the friendships that I've made over the years have been in the early days because... Um, you don't have too much money. There's like a multiplayer video game and you go to a friend's house and you, your friendship developed as you guys were sitting next to each other going at it in some sort of, especially uh, Halo 2 on the Xbox. <laughs> Back in the day. Okay. I think I can relate a little bit to that as well. In terms of, like, it's pretty common. It's more of a male-dominated um, pastime activity with gaming are there any, like, have you had much experience with female gamers? And, like, what is, is it 90% male? Is it 20% female? What, what are your thoughts that, on that? That's, that's an excellent question. It, I mean, back in the day, let's say, uh, I think it was, um, I think I was, like, maybe the 11th grade in secondary college or something like that. We, me and my mates started getting into online gaming. So there was this game there. Two games that we used to play. It was called Gunbound. It was sort of like a Worms clone, but you had like a little character and a little thing that you ride and you shoot at each other like in the Worms fashion. And then there was this other one called Conquer. Uh, it was more like a RPG type game. 
Uh, it's it like a role-playing game? Yeah, like um, MMO. MMO mm. role-playing game. And the first person that I actually met and became friends online on that game was a, uh, was a girl. Uh, she was from the Philippines. So I'm, it's not that uh, there's no uh, girl, girls that play games. It's just at that time, that was the first person I met online and we became friends. Uh, years after that, I I think I I it was very rare for me to run into another girl playing a video game. Like, and in high school, none of the girls played uh, video games. But when I left school, I think up until recently, I don't think I ran into someone online that was actually a, a girl that mm. that played games. I mean, I, I think when it comes, if you would say how much, what's the number? I mean, maybe it's 90% male, 10% female, but uh, a lot of yeah. girls are getting into it um, lately because it has become so popular. But I wouldn't say what the, like the media would say, it's like 50% of gamers are women. Yeah, I mean, no, they're, def- I, I, they're definitely not. Um, I mean, that's I, I, obvious to a lot of people. You would run into more people online if it were that case, but from what I've seen, is the what, what I've run into is major majority is male. But um, yeah. you see, Mark, there are different kinds of games. So I mean, you are being a male yeah, yourself. Yeah. You generally play, yeah, you know, uh, games like that. Well, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, in my experience, that's how it was. It's maybe like two, two girls that I've met throughout my ga- years of gaming online that actually, you know, play games. Whereas, you're right, there are uh, other video games that people play that might not actually bring them exposure to others online. Right. So now I know, I know personally, there was a big craze with uh, you know the Facebook games and stuff, Farmville mm-hmm. and whatnot, and I know that that was very well probably more geared towards the female audience than the males because I know I knew a lot of females playing those games not many males playing them now do you consider that as gaming as well or is that something different I don't know what, what are your thoughts on that well uh, that depends if like games like that um, where you like have like these um, you build things and you have to take care of it like the freemium games based that's what they are essentially because they sort of require some sort of monetization even they're free for you to play but they have like things locked off behind timers and oh you can only do this now and then you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can proceed with it um it's like they're games or or pay real money right yeah yeah they're they are games and it seems like a lot of um women gravitate towards that versus like you know consoles i'm not saying that girls don't have own consoles i mean there's probably a whole heap of girls that love playing console games but uh, a lot of people are and uh, i think especially girls uh, are on the to the mobile games and the freemium games and when you say are they games they're, yes they are games but the they're like different category in my opinion from you paying um 60 or 80 dollars for a video game and you owning it and playing it even though that that's these days is getting a little bit blurred as well but 
versus you know you grab a free game you don't actually own it and you might be like paying money yeah. more for access to that but still it's it's a video game i mean if if the person enjoys it and it, you know it brings them that joy yeah why not is the is the gaming industry trying to encourage more females more more women into the into the gaming culture are they trying to change that or are they just happy as it is well the, look it, it, i reckon in business you want the most exposure you you can have so male the male market is always going to be like tapped out because the the males are always going to be into video games the vast majority of them anyway with the female market they're trying to break into it they're trying to get more girls and in, interested into it because that's like an untapped market for them new customers more money so of course they're yeah. gonna be pushing towards uh having more games that seem like they're you know more female friendly so the girls can jump into it but it 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 really depends on how they go about it if they go about it in a proper way where they you know the games are including the girls as well as the guys and not just you know for them saying we want this girl we want this game to join the girls, but then they wind up alienating the other customer base because the the males don't find the game interesting. Is there an example of like a game that sort of was popular with the guys and have tried to change it to get more female players into it? I would say that whole thing that they did with Battlefield Five uh, last year, how they um, made the like the figurehead like the a female in world war two i think that was like a big ploy for them to say look we're look at us we're progressive we got girls into the game you should jump into the game we got female characters doing all this badass stuff and that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because what they did was they changed certain historical aspects to suit what they wanted to portray and with something such as World War Two, when you go changing historical facts to su suit your like uh, business narrative that that you want to seem like you're more progressive and um, accepting of female gamers, it, it rubs the people that are like the Puritans and uh, the people that have played the games before and want to see some sort of um, historical representation in the game the wrong way, you know? Yeah, right. So they're sort of, they're not happy with the women. Of well, it's not that they're not happy with the women being in, in the game, you know, but just keep it historically accurate. Right. It's, I'm not saying that women didn't, play a part in World War Two. They sure did, but not in the way that it was portrayed in Battlefield Five. Right. Right. The game is one accuracy of historical accuracy, not made up well, stories about World War Two. Yeah. Well there there was like one particular um, scenario in that game where the the uh, I, where was it set um, I think it might have been Norwegian or something like that. Oh, they were, Beach. 
no, it was they went to um, sabotage. I think this uh, uh, power plant it was, and the these guys that these commandos that went in to do that, they were completely completely uh, written out of it. I mean, uh, I forget what what it exactly was, but. It was a group of commandos that they sent in to sabotage this power plant. Or, um, and what in the game, it was just changed to two women. Mm. Okay. Interesting, so, yeah. It's like now, they... do, do people know playing these games, though? I mean, I understand stuff's changed from history and whatnot, but do people playing the games know that this is just like for fun? Or do they, do they are they made to think that this is actually what has happened back then and you know, we're following a 100% uh, retelling of history. Well, he, here's the thing, you know, I think with some people who play video games, they might actually think that that's historical fact. I mean, um, I, I certainly don't think the what's portrayed in video games is historical fact, but there are some people who gather information from video games and think that's what actually happened. Yeah. I unfortunately. mean, unfortunately, that's how it is, you know. Uh, some people what? might play a video game, and it's, if it's set in some sort of historical um, narrative, they might actually think that's how things were back in those times without actually knowing that this is just, um, how do you say it, um, like um, uh, liberties, fantasy. fantasy said it, it's set in like um, something that happened back in the day, but the story is fictitious, you know? Yeah, artis artistic interpretation, as they say. Uh, yes, that's that's the word I was trying to uh, come up with. <laughs> artistic interpretation, basically, of it. I mean, and yeah, some people might actually think that that's what really happened, even though it didn't. I mean, yeah. it, it's, so Mark, it's why just... Why do they think that? Why do they think that? Why would they go to it? Why would they think a computer game or a just the game is going to be an accurate historical rendition of what happened. Well, it's it's just like with everything uh, 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 on the internet. There's the internet is like a vast source of information, but it also um, yeah. has a lot of misinformation. I mean, majority of the stuff you you'll see on your social media feeds is blatant forgeries. It's just lies, and and people, you know, normal average people just scrolling through it. They will, they'll think of it as fact. I mean, there's there's so much um, uh, put out there where it's just for entertainment value without actually any facts, and a lot of people buy into that thing that's being displayed to them without actually knowing whether it's uh, truth or a lie. And do do you think it's because um... The people lack critical thinking or, or do you think maybe they uh i don't know maybe gaming affects it so maybe they kind of um replace that with it i don't know like what are your thoughts i think that really depends on the person i mean i i personally always approach everything with a bit of um how would i say how do you say that um uh, uh, yeah that's that's the word skepticism I approach basically a lot of things with skepticism until I can actually do some research and find out the information on it and see if it's real or if it's just some 
thing that they've put out there for clicks, you know, to make money. Because you never know these days. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think the lines are getting blurred more and more as well. Yeah, of course they are. These days, um, they can put out something that seems like it's a fact when it's blatantly a lie. You know, it never happened. It's just there so they could uh, profiteer from it. And I mean, yeah, the fake news, the fake the news fa- narratives. Yeah, but, yeah, the fake news narratives and like anything so they can profiteer from it. And we've probably we've gone a little bit off topic uh, with that. With going back to that um, scenario in Battlefield Five, you know, some people will buy into it, other people won't, and you know, that's that's how it is. I mean, uh, uh, as in turn for with girls in video games, I mean, I reckon the best uh, option in video games is allowing for you to make your own character, you know? Yeah. So you can pick whatever, you know, person you want to be in that video game. I think that's... So so with that, I mean, how how do you... Because these days it's very hard to determine, you know, making a character with the different, you know, genres and different... Uh, you know, identities and whatnot. So, so where does it stop? I mean, how far do you go and, uh, you know, give people freedom to create something? Because I, I don't know, me personally, I'm not too sure what else is out there at the moment. Well, with that, I mean, that's that's like a whole entire other freaking ball game, isn't it? With what uh, people's um, echo chambers on the internet have created and forced into society. Because all, right. all of that began with, began, you know, with, with these multiple genders and all of that began with people who are very lost in terms of life going on internet and finding other people that are very lost and then sort of creating their own society and um, this little room where they all went and you know say oh what about this what if we did this what if we did that and they just built this entire thing where in my opinion, uh, people with very personal issues uh, are, are trying to gain acceptance in society, but they're they're pushing it onto everybody else who, you know, just wants to live their life. I mean, they're changing everything around them to suit them. But do you see anybody else trying to change everything around them to suit them? Is that happening a lot with like pushing agendas? Are you saying they're pushing it? Gaming companies are pushing agendas into games to sort of change people's perspectives. Well, of course they are, because um, uh, a lot of these people think they're like uh, champions of society. They, especially in video games and video game jur- journalism, a lot of them think that they are the the saviors, and they need to be out there um, changing people's minds. Uh, uh, through video games and all that to accept all these people the the thing is it's not that people are you know need to accept them that first of all those people need to accept themselves as who they are and not be forcing other people to accept them because as as an individual you have no responsibility in accepting someone you don't you, you, you walk through society and all that. You don't have to interact with anybody. You don't have to accept anybody into your life. It's just the way it is. I mean, uh, it may sound yeah, you, selfish. You choose, you choose who you have in your life, absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, you, you, you get to pick who you want to interact with and all of that, but you, you're under no obligation as a normal person, in, as a person in society to um, do anything different in your life to sue someone else. But shouldn't we become more of an inclusive society and maybe, maybe we should include, you're under no, under no obligation, you're right, but should we include people that are different, different lifestyles, different, all types of differences so that it makes for a better gaming, you know, gaming culture, gaming world? Uh, I reckon gaming in itself is pretty open in that regard. I mean, if it, if you, let's say you take it on an individual basis, like if you meet someone playing a video game and you have fun playing that video game with them and you become friends, I don't think it really matters what that person um, wants, you know, what their sexual orientation is or whatever gender they want to associate. Yeah, to gender, skin color, etc. Yeah. I don't think that matters. It just matters that you have fun playing the video game with them. And uh, the vast majority of people who play video games will view it that way as well. Because in the end, it really doesn't matter to them. It's just as long as they're playing the video games and having fun. But the reason why it, it becomes a big issue is because when people solely focus on that aspect, instead of focusing on on the aspect of you guys, you know, being together and having fun and, you know, enjoying your pastime, you, they make the, the sole focus, that person being different than what the vast majority of people are that are playing games, you know, are like the white man, male, straight, you know, they, but that can't they, be healthy for the community or the video game. I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter what you are. The reason you are there is because of that video game. Hence, you're playing it. So why yeah. does it matter? Yeah, but that, that's the thing. It doesn't matter. But the thing is with media and certain video game developers, they're, they're trying to basically appeal to everyone and say, look what we're doing. Give us all the pats on the back, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, look what we're doing. I mean, any true gamer won't care about that stuff as long as you're in the game. If it's like uh, like an online game, you know, if you're in the game and you're competing with them, you're, hel- you're helping them, they're helping you, they won't care about that. But if you single it out and focus on that, it's going to rub the people the wrong way. So you're saying basically that it's all about the game. We're not worried about where you're from and what you do in your own personal life. It's just about the game. Stop making it about personal preferences and racial identities and so. Okay. Exactly right. And and I think the vast majority of gamers, you know, will agree with that statement. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's the thing, though. So where do we draw the line, right? Where do we stop doing it for the sake of the money? And you know, where do we stop? Or I should say, where do we start making games just for the sake of the video game? Well, that's 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 the that's a whole other issue with video game companies. You know, uh, there's a lot of video game companies that you know started out small and have become big, way too big now. And they think like they like 
well, EA, Ubisoft, Bethesda, Activision, all of them, you know, all of them at the start, you know, they made games. They they actually put effort into making something entertaining, you know? Yeah. So they they grew their fan base by releasing games that people wanted to play, you know. Oh, back in the day, it was like, oh, did you see EA release this game? Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be sick. Now it's like EA released the game. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck those guys. I mean, they... they yeah. It's, it's just, they've become, it's like that old saying is like, you, you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. And majority of the video game companies have become the villain. Because... Yeah. Well, why do you think that is, though? It's uh, basically the the flawed system in every company that exists on Earth that they think they can have infinite growth. In the pursuit mm. of infinite growth and infinite profits, they basically, what made them great at the start, they throw that to the sidelines in order to get a quick cash grab so that the next financial quarter looks better than the last. But should, and well, they have to get to that somehow, though. Uh, I mean, how does it get to that, if you get my question? So, I mean, I know in some other companies, let's say the CEO changes or certain, you know, key figures leave or whatever, and then all of a sudden it changes, uh, you know, how the company operates. Now, is it the same thing within the gaming industry? Do you think it's related to specific people or is there more to it? Uh, Well, any, any company, that's their business model is to make money any company at all. Now, when you start off as a small company, you need to build yourself up, you know? You need to build yourself up. So you need to make a product that people want. Once you made a product that people want, you make more products that people want, and then you've built yourself up. And once you've built yourself up as like a big, big company, as EA is, you think that you, you start having these, in my opinion, delusions of grandeur that you can never fail. That you can mm. always profit profit of what you bring out, and then they become lax. The quality um, gives they give up on quality and begin focusing on quantity, and they start churning out more games uh, with less development time, with less um, uh, like quality or gameplay ability in them and you know people some people who are fans hardcore fans will still jump into it other people will start giving up on it and after after a while you get a backlash the the unique thing about the gaming industry and people with that play games is how much actual contact we have with the people that make the games because Um, you, there's a lot of feedback given in back in video games versus other, uh, I reckon, other industries like movies and all that. You're not going to get uh, as much feedback put in. Like It's like, oh, what do you want to see in the next movie? I don't think they're going to you know, go off. But then, the then how fans... do they still seem to be getting it so wrong, though, based on their you know, majority of their audience? All I'm seeing lately is just people complaining about video game companies. Well, that's the thing, you know. It's it's up to them whether they um, listen to to a certain 
to a certain regard, listen to what the people want. Because what the people want and what actually can actually be made into a video game is a little too... It's two different things, because even they have limitations about what they can actually put into a video game. But yeah. they can work within those limitations to actually make a fun and engaging and playable video game. The thing is, do they want to do that, or do they want to make a game where they butcher it in order to release DLCs and season passes and all mm. sorts of other monetization practices? Well, I've got a, I've actually got a question for you um, regarding that one. Did you have an example for us of a company that is actually currently doing well, that is also very big and established based on the feedback from people that play their games or gamers in general? Like, is well, there any example of companies that are doing actually well now that I established? Well, I, I have to say the only company that ha is having its constant praise sung by video gamers is CD Projekt Red. I mean... Okay. Can you give us some examples of games that they made? Well, the Witcher series. I mean, and, okay. the, 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 and the upcoming um, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. I mean, that's going to be huge. I mean, I, I'm, I can't wait for that game because I, I really, really enjoyed the Witcher series, especially Witcher 3. I mean, yeah. I spent uh, probably a good maybe 200 hours just playing that game. Wow, I mean, it was such a wonderful experience in that game. I mean, and that was just a single player game. That was just there was yeah, no online or anything, was there? Yeah, it was just a single player game. I mean, the the amount of um, things you could do in that game, and I love stories. I mean, it's in video games. I love like really well done stories in single player. It's it's. I, that's why I prefer single-player games. I, I like going through a story in a video game. Uh, I mean, I love movies as well, and I love old folklore and fairy tales and all of that. And that that game basically just combined everything. You know, I was yeah, it's, got, it's got everything in it. I I, I was in control of a badass guy who was out there slaying monsters, and then you had that fairy tale aspect where it had all sorts of like witches and you know that 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 folklore that folklore of old in that game and you get to experience it firsthand as you go through the game and the stories as the hero and to me that was awesome it was awesome it was just such a well-made game and i mean yes the 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 fighting mechanics were a little bit iffy but I, in my opinion, the 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 story and the narrative in the game just overshadowed any problems that the game actually had. Mm. So I really love that game, and uh, I'm waiting for can't wait for Cyber, Cyberpunk 2077. And CD Projekt Red, because of it's 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 built up a rep by listening to uh, to the to their audience, you know, to their fan base. And yeah, uh, and they took, take their time actually making their games. I mean, Cyberpunk 2077, that's been in like development for ages. Yeah. For ages. So that's I very mean, interesting how, how some companies such as, uh, as you mentioned, City Project Red, uh, they're actually taking their time, even though they're well established and making heaps of money, they're still make, taking their time and trying to create something good. 
Um, whereas, as you said yourself, you mentioned EA, I suppose, and um, a few others, and, and they seem to be uh, very heavily involved into um, those uh, cyber, uh, cyber uh, digital transactions and DLCs and stuff like that that you have to pay for um, on top of the actual game. Do we know if like people, groups like EA are profitable? Like, is it actually doing that? Doing taking that approach, is it profitable? Well, um, they're gonna make money no matter what because they've already have so many systems in place. I mean, you only have to look at like FIFA or any of those games where where they have recurring. Um, uh, microtransactions or monetization they're going to make money no matter what because all they have to do is find uh, the the whales the whales that play that video game and they're going to spend their money no matter what and they're going to yeah. make a profit from that the thing is they're making that profit and their numbers are looking good so with that they they think oh this is working great let's do that with the next game as well so they start thinking that they can indefinitely keep doing that without pissing off anybody who plays the game. But people that played like FIFA, I think they should really be noticing that the game doesn't change every year. The game's the same. Yeah. What, well, I mean, arguable about, about a lot of other games too. <laughs> yeah, no. So, FIFA, Call of Duty, Battlefield, those games don't actually ever change. It's just a reskin, maybe slight tweaks for the better or the worse, depending on how it turns out. But essentially, it's the same game. Essentially, yeah. that's good business strategy, though. Like, low, you've already got something you can replicate, making a ton of money. They've probably got um, obligations to shareholders yeah. to deliver X, X uh, percentages every year. Um, that's probably why they do it, I would think. But whether that's that's probably good for the short term, but long term, I think that might be a bit of a pro bit problematic with these other smaller groups coming up. What do you think? Well, that's the thing. I mean, nothing lasts indefinitely, and and if they 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 think that this is going to last them forever and they're going to be able to fleece people out of their money indefinitely, that is certainly not the case. Sooner or later, oh, people no. are just going to wind up getting tired of it, you know. And as we saw, what was it? last year or the year before with that uh, whole business that started like a massive revolt against EA with uh, the Star Wars Battlefront 2 that they did. Mm. So what, what happened there? Can you just fill us in a little bit, just a quick um, what's happened there? Well, uh, when they released that game, it was devoid of anything to do in the game. And they had massive massive uh, microtransaction and loot boxes going on. So It was so bad. It was so bad that the people revolted so, so uh, furiously to it that it spawned that the government started to, getting, started to get involved with it. And now the governments wow. are demanding, like having closer looks into these uh, loot boxes and all that because... Of the, they're worried how how it affects people and uh, especially younger people, and more and more cases are popping up where people have spent thousands on, in video games without even knowing. Like uh, recently in England, um, right. 
uh, with uh, the FIFA video game. Uh, these young kids emptied their parents' bank account buying those uh, player card packs. Wow. And and EA didn't do anything about it. The, uh, apparently, the kids saw their parent putting their credit card details into it. They copied them. The kid's like nine years old, you know? And emptied the bank account buying that stuff. I mean, Nintendo was good enough to actually refund them all the money, but EA said nothing. EA for for EA, oh, it's 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 like a Kinder Egg. It's surprise mechanics. Yeah, so I guess it's all about money, right? Look, life is all about money. It's just that if um, if the if for the consumer, if the money is worth spending, you know, and I mean, do you really want? to continuously spend money after you've bought something. It's, it's really getting bad these days where you buy a video game and then you have to fork out maybe another uh, $80 on top of that $80 that you spent for that video game, let's say a premium video game, to get additional content for that video game. Whereas that video game should have been shipped with that content. And let's say, you know, oh, the, the excuse they've been using, oh, development and all that is too expensive. All right, then put up the price of the game that you release at the start. Let's say $100 for the video game. If it has enough content to satisfy the person that, have, that has bought the game, then that's fine. I don't think they'll mind spending that extra money. But the problem is that's, they know that they're not going to get as many people on the hook with a $100 video game. Whereas uh, maybe a sixty or seventy dollar video game that'll get them to jump into the video game, and then oh, we got this additional content, but you're gonna have to pay another seventy dollars to get that additional content. Yeah, for the same video game that you already own. Yeah, yeah. But Mark, when you when you talked about the government um, getting involved in this, like which government? What are they actually doing? Well, the let's see. I think it was Belgium. Let's get England. Is, uh, well, in England, they're doing a lot of um, um, uh, parliament meetings about it. I'm I'm not sure if they've passed anything yet, but I know Belgium has. They've they've passed a law in Belgium that does not allow loot boxes in video games. Um, America at the moment they're also working on a bill, a loot box bill, and they're trying to pass that. Australia, however, you know. Australia is always backwards in everything and behind the times. Um, uh, they haven't really done anything. They they think that uh, it it hasn't violated any gambling laws that are present in Australia, and th that's one of the things. It's like they try to find out if it violates any gambling laws, as in turn, is it akin to gambling or not in in the aspect of under the law, under the, what the gambling laws are in the, like that certain country, does do the micro, microtransactions and the loot boxes fall under that law? In most countries, the laws, it doesn't fall under it because they all have certain clauses in it where it says um, it has to have like an exchange of money. If you're putting in the money, are you getting any money back? And if you're not getting any money back, the they they don't consider it as gambling. 
So when you're getting digital currency back or digital items back, it's not gambling because you're not getting money. Yeah, that's that's okay. that's one of the views that that's keeping it from actually being classified under a sort of type of gambling because it's interesting how technical that is because at the end of the day that item that you get you can still sell for money right so well, they, technically they, yeah. it's worth something yeah well you can in certain games and other games you can't like uh, i think yeah. what what is what is it um uh, cs global uh, yeah. offensive. But I mean, you can always sell your account. I mean, I know it might not be legal, but people do do it. You sell your yeah, account yeah. on whatever yeah. online, yeah? But you see, I don't think they take those things in con into consideration. They should, but they don't. Mm. I suppose it's what you said with the government. They're not really in the detail of this. They're generally, government people are generally, let's call it middle-aged or older. Um, they're not probably in the gaming culture in deep, so they're, they're going to have a delay in acting on such problems, I guess. Yeah. I but the, here's the thing. Do we really want the government to start stepping in and regulating video games? I mean, if they, let's say they do step in and there's a massive change in the way that these microtransactions and loot boxes are done, what's to stop the government from imposing other type of things like censorship in the, what can be actually put into the video games by their choosing? You know, it's it's like a slippery slope, and the fault is at the big companies, because the the ESRB is actually run by EA and all of that, and uh, Activision and all that. The the people that work for EA and Activision actually run the ESRB, the 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 standards board for ratings in video games. Yeah, and so so you run your own ratings basically. They they are supposed to be self-regulating, but they don't. They don't want to because they don't want to lose that money. Yeah, and it's, it's... then and then it forces the government to step in. And I don't think the gamers want the government in there, but it looks like that's the necessity. That's the push with the loot boxes. You know, ex so my question to you, Mark, just in regards of the government stepping in. Okay, so they do step in and they do make laws in this country. Okay, this is illegal. What's there to make the video game developers just basically get a lawyer and say, hey, where's the loophole in this law? Okay, we'll do it this way. Well, th uh, they might. They might. I mean, loot boxes in itself is a loophole, isn't it? Well, there With, you go. Uh, it's a loophole. I mean, th it's, it's essentially like a slot machine you put money in you'll get some random item if if they actually you know some of them actually released um uh the statistics for what's the drop rate and there's something like ridiculous for the actual item that's, that the the people want like something like less than 0.01 percent mm. so just, just uh i guess it takes more time to get that or how does it actually relate to the gamers that play the game well, 0.01% of a chance of actually unlocking like some sort of like major uh, benefit to yourself or or is is ridiculous. I spe this, I'm talking about these um, the FIFA loot boxes with the player cards. Like, let's say you want like a Messi or something like that. Like, and it's, it's the chance of you getting that card is 0.01%. But does it cost you to actually try to get those cards? Do you pay money to open yes, those boxes? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. okay, I see what you mean. Right. 
And knowing, I mean, is that information out there, though, what the percentages are and, and people still go for it? Well, yes, they do. And because uh, some, some people aren't, well, some people who play video games, they're not really concerned about what happens, like the, the political landscape of video games, so to say. They're, they're not really concerned about what happens around the video games. They're just happy to buy the video game, put it in their console and play. I mean, like, let's say you and I, we, um, we, we're aware of what happens in the landscape to a certain extent right. with what's happening in the background and with the loot boxes and the government getting involved and all that. Um, most regular people who play video games probably aren't. They're, yeah. they're not going to go too in-depth. They're going to buy the game, they're going to stick it in their console and they're going to play it. So, so maybe there should be a bit more awareness out there for people before they get into that kind of stuff, instead of kind of trying trying to fix it once they once they're already in it. Well, that's the thing, you know. The so far, what I think is what they've done is put a teeny little blurb on the cover on a on a video game that says has microtransactions or some sort of wording where it says that you will actually have to spend real money in order to get certain things in the game but what it i reckon they should have a bigger portion of the a video game case or cover displaying that this game has microtransactions the and then they should actually post the odds for the loot boxes on what they should get what what the, what what's the chances that they might get a good item or a bad item and so on but they don't mm, do that. Think, yeah, that's that. a good idea. They should enforce that. They they're not gonna do that. They're not gonna enforce it because it's it's damaging to their business. If the actual figures came out to to the to to the wide populace about how what the the chances of them are of getting a decent item, it's gonna damage them badly because they they're gonna see a huge backlash and say what what kind of ridiculousness is this? You can't there's chances that you might never ever get that item no matter how much money you spend. Yeah. Um, so what's now, the way forward? What, yeah. Well, th well that's 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 what I think the maybe the that loot box bill that they're trying to introduce in America might address, you know. Yeah. But I haven't heard anything about it lately, but they might be pushing for like uh, better labeling in terms of, you know, what the companies do. But I reckon, even though if something like that does happen and the companies are forced into putting the uh, labels and uh, disclosing what the drop rates are, they're just going to find a different way of monetizing it. Because EA already has shown that it's its hand in in what it might be trying to do for the future. Like with what they did with Anthem, I assume all of you guys have heard of Anthem and its disaster that it is. I have personally. I'm not too sure about you, T-Mac. Maybe just give us a quick overview of that scenario. Well, Anthem was released at the start of the year and it was devoid of any content and it came with a lot of problems. Um, loading was horrible, disconnection, uh, just disconnection glitches, all sorts of 
bad stuff, power uh, scaling that was horrible, uh, drew uh, like loot drop rates that were ridiculously crap, and yeah, the game has no actual story to it. The story mm. was just slapped together. The development of the game took seven years, but they only actually, I think, spent 16 months making the game. So the final product that they released only took in like something like 16 months, I think it was. And then they released it. It wasn't ready. They, they didn't have a, the concept that they originally had fell through because of a name change. And uh, the concept that they had later... The, like the video that they showed at E3 was just that, a video. There was nothing made at E3 when they first announced the game. And so, then. So they were kind of faking it, pretending they had a game? Yep. They were okay. faking it. They were pretending they had a game. And development started after that, that uh, drop of that trailer. That's when development started in the game. That's when they actually started making things for it. And now they are, it's basically just keeps getting worse. It's been six months. The game is on for sale for like $15 at the local store because nobody wants to buy it. It's dead. Hmm. Um, what they did with that game when they released it was they had multiple tiers of um, uh, releases, multiple tiers. You had, they had like a, deluxe tier, like a semi-deluxe tier, like an origin plus tier, and it had like a standard edition. And it was like a staggered release. The standard release uh, release came out, uh, I think it was like February 14th or something like that, February 20th. I uh, might be wrong about that, but the, the, other, the other editions that they had were released before. They released them like a week before, a couple of days before, things like that. They made people pay for the PC version. They made them play for Origin Plus or whatever it is, like a, like a like PSN, like PlayStation Plus or whatever. They had like a specific Origin one, where you paid money and you gained access to the game earlier. Right. And they, I've had, I have seen them mention that they're gonna in the future do more soft launches. So what's, what, what do they consider a soft launch? A game that's unfinished, they're going to give you a, uh, a product that's unfinished, they're going to take your money, and they're going to maybe stick around six months, a year, and try to build the game into something, and if the game isn't built into anything, they're just going to abandon it and move on. So that's, that's, that seems like the um, situation is actually getting worse. Well, yeah, the, uh, EA is going to constantly make things worse. They're not going to make things better. Not until they ha suffer a massive blow, in my opinion. None of these companies will learn unless they suffer a massive blow. I mean, unless... Now, the unless... companies themselves, uh, Mark, I mean, they, they will not learn. And the way I see it, I don't think they care as long as they're making money. I mean, just like any other, you know, soulless corporation. But what can we do? So or I should say the gaming community. Is there anything you can suggest uh, um, to, to improve the situation or, um, you know, anything beneficial? Don't buy the games. I mean, 
I mean, that's that's the only thing you can do to, to show them. Don't show any interest in their product. Yeah. I mean, I I, ha- I haven't bought any uh, EA games probably in the last two years. I ju- I just had enough. <laughs> and what do you think about any other ways? I mean, I understand not buying the games, but there's still people buying them, right? Like you mentioned FIFA. And I mean, I think that has a really big fan base, regardless if the game is terrible, people are going to buy it every year, right? Um, so so, so is there any, any I don't know, um, communities or going to the developers directly on their websites, Facebook leaving feedback? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, like, in my opinion, that does nothing. Well, they They... With feedback and all of that, they say, oh, yes, we're listening, we're listening, and then they do whatever they want in the end anyway because they want to make that money. Yeah. So so they'll pretend like they hear your cries and your screams for change, and they say, yes, 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 and then they do whatever they want in the end anyway. I mean, maybe there's like a very small possibility that they might actually make some change, but I wouldn't hold my breath. I mean, yeah, unless it's they... going to make financial impact, it's not really going to be, it's not going to change their behavior. If they're still no. making the profits, they're not really going to change it. They'll be seen that's... to be hearing it, but otherwise, I don't think they'll change. Yeah, that's why I say, in order for any sort of change, you just got to flat out not buy any of their products. They'll see it in their bottom line. The only way that big corporations change what they do is when it, it affects how much money that they're earning. How likely is that? Though? Yeah. Like, how likely is are people not going to buy the game because of a certain position? Well, they have felt some sort of pain, but not enough. So I don't know. It really, yeah. de- it really depends on the individual. And um, I mean, casual gamers—they're not going to really care. They're just going to jump into it, play a bit, jump off. I mean, gamers that are more than casual—they—they might actually, you know, boycott our entire studio if things don't change but they might be in well, that actually brings up something interesting because gamers do have the ability to boycott studios these days i mean yeah. as you said you know people with the same same interest they meet up online and just uh, you know start going for it, playing the games or trashing a gaming company yep but we might uh, but those people might be in the minority i mean uh, there's like what seven and a half billion people in the world how many people of them play video games and how many of them play it casually and don't really care any of the politics around it? Yeah. It just really depends. I mean, the the hardcore people, they do care. And they will, you know, voice their opinions. They're the ones that are on the blogs. They're the ones that are on Reddit. They're the ones that are, like, sharing their opinions with the developers. Are but, they the ones, like, what? they're not the majority, though, or are they? I don't think they're the majority because um, for all for every person that that's actually out there, you know, advocating for change in the video game industry or something like that, uh, there's probably thousands that are just happy to play the video game and get on with their lives. It might video games might not be all everything to those people. Video games might just be a casual pastime for them, and and those are the people that probably. Are the ones that are that aren't gonna care about what's said online. They're just gonna go buy the game. They're gonna have the fun, and that's it. Whereas people yeah. who actually are like truly passionate about that, that really care what happens to the next release. Well, we might not be 
uh, in a large number as mu as much as we would like to think, you know. Because if we were, I reckon we would probably see uh, more changes happening in the industry and with the companies. But it, it's simply not there. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, Mark, I was just, in regards to VR, like, do you think VR will change the gaming, you know, gaming culture substantially at all? Do you think that'll make a big impact or is it just all hot air? I reckon that's still maybe uh, maybe like 10, 15 years away from being properly uh, like viable. I mean, they ha they still have a lot of work to do on it. I mean, I, I, I mean, it shows promise in my opinion. It shows promise. It's just it's going to take quite a lot of time before they come out with things that I reckon are more like functional than what we have at the moment. Like, what about augmented reality? I mean, that could be helpful for non-gaming related stuff. Well, with, with augmented reality, even that, I reckon they, they, they have still a lot of work on to it. But all of that is very promising, I think. I mean, imagine, you know, ca coming to like sometime in the future where you put these like maybe not as heavy or as bulky as what they have now glasses on your face and you're transported to a different world where you your actions with your body actually uh, do something in there like you're fighting off waves of monsters or something and you're actually moving to do that I mean it's it's I reckon it's it has quite a lot of potential in my opinion and do we do we know um, what kind of maybe side side effects uh, or uh, how, how can I say it do we do we know <laughs> what you it mean causes like, to be in a world like that, right? Like, have you, you seen you, the Matrix yet? Are you, are you thinking like, uh, what are the negative aspects of uh, just virtual reality well, or something? Not like necessarily that? negative. I'm just kind of thinking: Have we tested what it actually does to a person? How how has it been tested, etc.? Ah, oh, I have no idea, man. Because uh, yeah. I, I personally have had a very limited experience with that with going to a store and trying out a test model because they're a little bit too pricey for me at the moment to invest into something like that. So I don't know. I mean, it, there could be like a positive thing to come out of it. I mean, if, if they make games in which you're moving your body, I mean, that's better than just sitting on the couch, you know, you're getting some Absolutely, exercise. Yeah. But, but also in, the addictiveness thing. So would it be more yeah. addictive than standard video games, right? Yeah. Well, that I mean, that might be the case. That mm -hmm. might be the case because if you're being um, drawn into a whole other world just by putting on your glasses, I mean, that's like the 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 most escape you can actually get, changing your full reality into, in, into something else. I mean, yeah, full immersion into it where you. Yeah. You're not distracted by, I don't know, someone walking past. You're, you know, you're looking at the, you're, what you see is what's in that virtual world. Yeah, so yeah full immersion. Full immersion. Yeah. That's correct. It's, it's, it. VR is gonna be as immersive as it gets, unless somehow they, they are able to create that um, holodeck from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, look, I don't know. The way I see the VR, maybe personally, I mean, I could be completely wrong because I've been kind of looking into those um, areas myself, but mm. I don't think it will be glasses at all. I think it will be a bit more um, directly wired to the brain and that way like, it affects you on a different level than just putting on a headset and taking it off. Well, I, I, if it comes to that, I don't think I'd, I'd be willing to invest with anything being uh, surgically input it into me uh i think that's once you get to that part yeah i think you're starting to move into a whole another level of what could possibly go wrong with putting electronics inside yourself i mean well i i think also i mean have you i don't know how familiar you are with tesla's developments but he's creating a neural interface for uh, i'm not too sure um, internet or phone or whatever it is so basically, you don't have to type anything. You just think it, and it automatically just goes to it. So, I mean, that's definitely something they're doing at the moment. So, well, with things like that, I mean, the 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 technology behind that is is like super interesting. I mean, how how do you go about coding um, or creating a program which understands thought and that thought is translated into something onto a screen, like? like letters or whatever it's like it's very interesting in that regard but having something surgically implant implanted in yourself uh, i mean if there was a way to yeah. do that where it actually uh, monitors your brain waves and then transfers them into some sort of like text or anything i mean that would be super interesting to do but i, I i'm not really for that invasive thing where it actually having something implanted into yourself i mean there's tons of things that can go wrong like health wise with having something having a foreign body implanted in yourself and then it like you mentioned with the matrix i mean how, who's to stop from people from if everything's connected to the internet who's to stop from someone actually hijacking your, your brain with well, absolutely yeah with with that connectivity i mean uh, there, there are like there, there, there is media out there that like probably has covered like that, those sort of scenarios like movies and cartoons yeah. and anime and all sorts of like but that. What's your opinion about that though? As a gamer, right? Um, you know, do you think it's still beneficial to go that way and you know just for the sake of gaming and the experiences we can have, or do you think that it it will most likely be used for a bad purpose? <laughs> well, what's your opinion? Where do you stand there? Well, if it's if if I don't actually have to have anything implanted into myself, I'm fine with it. But if the if it comes to that bit, to that part where you have to actually have something implanted in yourself, I mean, I, I'm gonna have to like weigh out like a whole lot of things. Like there, there's gonna be a lot of health issues. Like you really shouldn't have anything foreign in your body. I mean. That's my opinion. <laughs> I agree, but uh, I, I suppose my question is, is the whole technology actually beneficial or I should say detrimental um, for human, well, for society? Well, depends. I mean, I, I suppose those things could actually wind up helping people with actual, like, uh, problems physically, you know, like maybe some person um, isn't able to move their hands and and legs because of an accident or a birth defect and having that implanted to their brain might a, might give them an actual way of communicating with someone much much more easily like let's say you have they develop something where 
the person's thought is trans um, transformed into some sort of like uh, digitized speak. N uh, not like what um, what's his name? Um, Hawk Stephen Hawking. Not, li not like what he had because he had like a thing that tracked his eyes and he would look at some. He would use it. It would track his eyes and yeah, then it external. would pick up. Yeah. Something where like maybe there would be just like a little speaker and then whatever that that person's thoughts were would be transferred into something and the speaker would speak his thoughts basically. There's a guy, um, a director of in Google, Ray Kurzweil. He's, he's across a lot of the nanotechnology futuristic developments and essentially what you're saying, Mark, is like implanting nanobots into your brain, into your body to you know, help. Uh, but then also it could end up with nefarious ways. But yeah, that's, that's definitely, that research is going pretty full, full on, full, full ahead, full steam ahead. Well, well, nanites are very interesting. I mean, if, if you can get like a proper program going with nanites, you could possibly prolong your life indefinitely because yeah. you could program them to regenerate your cells, essentially. So you, These nanobots, if, you're right. These nanobots want to go into the cells. Like Ray, Ray Kurzweil's idea is to like, – he lost his father quite early. I'm going – I'm sidetracking a little bit, but go he lost ahead. his father quite early in his life, and he mm. wants to and, – and unnecessarily from, from a heart attack or whatever. This guy's done a lot of, lot of work inventing stuff, but now he wants to live essentially indefinitely with the help of this technology like nanobots and, and so forth. But, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. You're right. And I guess now that – we're creating virtual environments for ourselves. We'll have our, you know, our virtual dog that'll just do whatever we say and never, yeah. never <laughs> go to the toilet on the carpet or anything like that. But, uh, maybe you want to program it for it to do that. Funny you should say that. Yeah. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Uh, I mean, I watched like a cartoon where they, that what it was like their world essentially had, you would wear glasses, like normal looking glasses and it what would it would display like a virtual reality and the whole world was basically like that and people had virtual pets so it would be like like a little dog or something or lizard or something and they, that's what they had they would see it through those glasses yeah i mean we might reach some stage like that who knows but uh thanks mark yeah. for your thanks, thanks for, for your time me, yeah great it's been great we've learned a lot about uh gaming culture and the variety of issues that are within gaming culture. So I appreciate your time. No worries. Yes. Right. Uh, th thanks, Mark. Th thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll get you back on sometime again. All right. Thanks for having me, Joe. Thanks, guys. T Mac. Thanks, guys. It's, it's been awesome. All right.